Okay, we are live with episode four of Platform Futures coming to you from downtown Toronto this time, not Miami. Single tier. I love Toronto. Sad violin. No, it's a beautiful day. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a nice fall day. Uh, Wait, no, it's not fall yet, actually. It's still September, yeah. When does fall start? Let's start with that. Earth, Wind, and Fire, 21st day of September. Okay. People who actually think that song is the very first day of September. So it's... Uh, yeah, it's the 21st. It's the 21st day of September. Got yeah. it. Got it. And is that the solstice? Or no, the solstice is the, num- is the longest day of the year, right? So, so you have... Um, yeah, so in June... June and December, you have solstices, and then um, I think you have the it's the fall, the autumnal equinox, spring and spring and autumn are equinoxes or equinoxes. Got it. And then solstice, or it's the opposite. One of those. One of those two. So in Canada, we've got these defined seasons. We got spring, summer, fall, winter, and. While I like to think of myself as someone who works hard most of the time, there's definitely like grind mode, and I do feel like it's correlated with fall, winter, um, and then spring. You know, most of spring and then summer things let up a little bit. I'm sure there's more places like this, but um, uh, but but do you think? Here's a question: Do you do you think or do you have reason to believe that other regions? of the world are similar or different in that sense? Like, do you think there's grinding season? Um, and and uh, to what extent do you think it's weather influenced? Oh, I 100% think it's weather influenced. Um, in my, I've actually always thought about this question because in the winter, back in the day, I used to read by a fire. Like, that was the thing that I looked forward to most in the winter, getting, turning on the fireplace, getting a good book, and just kind of burying my mind for hours at a time. Um, and then I would, I would actually look back and see what was invented in the winter. And like what you actually, like, because think about it, the winter creates this whole other set of problems that you had back in the day that you're just like, damn, <laughs> I need X, right? So you think it, so, so let me get this straight. Like uh, looking back at historical dates of a certain invention, and if there is a month attributed to that invention, like a month yeah. and a year. Yeah. If, okay, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, because um, because I know we're going to talk about this uh, at some point, at some point in the future. The way that I view uh, design is it's it's there are creatures of necessity first, right? Uh, not necessarily correlating it with a date, but the washing machine mm-hmm. invented by a slave. Okay. Right? Like, it's, it's like. Right? Make my life easier. Yeah. yeah how do yeah. I do that? Same thing with doorknobs, right? Mm-hmm. Like, same thing with fridges. Like, these are. So, so when, you, when you think about why we use certain things that we use, they're, they're street lights, actually. Another example. It was invented so because people were getting, like, killed by not cars at that point in time. It was just. People were just getting killed in, like, in the middle of... Horse accidents? Yeah. Nighttime horse accident? <laughs> like, Carriage accident? It was kind of crazy. So uh, back in the day, I used to go figure out when um, things were invented and then try to see if that kind of sticks. We were talking about uh, NASA, mm-hmm. actually. It's uh, the anti-fragility of old technology, mm-hmm. uh, keeping on, keeping on. Mm-hmm. Kind of what about you? What are your thoughts? Um, well, so definitely there's regional differences and, and that's like, some of them are pretty obvious. Like you hear like the, the term siesta referred to like, you know, that's something more on, more on a daytime, a day by day. I don't know if that's seasonal per se, um, but I don't really know too much about how the seasons really change in, um, in like a Spain or Italy or, or what have you. Um, but uh, but I would assume so. I would assume that there are differences. Um, and like it's like for example, in New York, it seems like it's always grind mode, um, yeah. no matter what. Yeah. Um, but I do know that in the UK, August specifically is like a month where you're just not expected to 
to uh, you can't be expecting to get your most crucial stuff done in August. It's just uh, and, and I think that scales to a, a bunch of other areas in Europe. Yeah, yeah. August is traditional, but see, even that right that came from the point in time that predates a bunch of different like predates our current time. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, these months are way too hot to work. Right. So we're gonna leave. And uh, in North America, you only got a week and a half, two weeks, sometimes mm-hmm. three weeks off. Mm-hmm. And uh, you wanted to go experience a different part of the world. Mm-hmm. So your tourist season happens in August. And then you have all the Europeans that are just like, no, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> We're out. We don't want to be here, though. Uh, New York is grind season all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, because New York is just historically grind season. They got, yeah, it's New York. Oh, yeah, it's New York. Um, Toronto is interesting in my mind because uh, I was explaining this to the difference between Toronto and Montreal is Montreal's got like 15 days of summer, right? Like, yeah. like it exists obviously, but it's like not very, not very long. And Toronto's got like 45. So uh, I was talking about this with a friend of mine not too long ago. It's like 45 days. They're gonna party for. 30 of those 45 days, because mm-hmm. uh, those 45 days aren't even guaranteed. And here, right after that, fall is just like, all right, well, um, mid-August, you start getting that, like, that dip. Mm-hmm. And you're just mm-hmm. like, okay, well. <laughs> this year, yeah, this year, things kind of went, uh, things have gotten a bit cooler. Winter's coming. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah. Montreal, so 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 damn cold it's 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 really it's really shocking and I, I feel like people don't really associate montreal with cold uh, at least when i when i hear people talk about it they talk about the architecture and how nice it is but they don't um often at least my uh you know my colleagues in uh, south side uh in in the u.s they, they they don't they don't have that association maybe because they come in the summer yeah they don't come in the <laughs> i remember once I got, I was in Montreal and it was nighttime and winter and, and uh, we, were, we were out uh, going to a club and uh, I just, I was like, am I in outer space right now? It was so, it was so cold um, and, and dark and ice covered. Anyways, I digress. Um, looking at, <laughs> looking at, um, you know, looking at how um, regions are, are um, approach work. I think that's a good segue into, into one of the things I wanted to talk about today. And that is, um, and that is what, what's the future of work and what's sort of happening right now and, and what can we extrapolate from what's happening right now and get into uh, what might happen next in terms of, in terms of work. And so maybe I'll, I'll, um, I'll open up with uh, what are you hearing? And I'll maybe talk about what I think the differences are in terms of different regions and their approach to hybrid work and different regions and their approach to return to office and, 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 and how, how work is being done in different geographies right now. Yeah. So before, before I answer that, I'm going to answer a question with a question and it's like, how do you feel about the concept of not being in the office I think it's really positive. Uh, generally, how do I feel about it? Not like so. I mean, the the key variable in that question there is the five days a week. How do I feel about not like I I feel like the idea of going back to five days a week would be devastating for myself and a lot of people, mm-hmm. just because it would be it would be really tough. Um, we're not, I'm not I'm not used to that anymore. Mm-hmm. That, that... Uh, yeah, five days, a, five days a week is it's too much uh, on my soul. Uh, I remember pre-COVID in the before times when people would ask me to work from home. And my, the, the idea of working from home is something that I always wanted to do, but it was not something that was operationally uh, embedded in the culture. Then uh, during COVID, uh, in the interwar years, <laughs> um, you had no choice for for and like let's let's keep it real like the, this is not for everybody right mm-hmm. like I one of my one of my good friends he would always say he wouldn't even allow to work right like he his job was uh, is to 
be with people. Mm. And he couldn't do that, so he kind of was reevaluating life. And, and so he's a male and, escort. That's what you're saying. I'm obviously joking. He had a job that involved him being, um, yeah, amongst amongst people in the physical sense. Yeah, like or like not even with them, but just have people be around, right? So he his view on that was 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 very different than my view um, because me, I was just like, I never want to go back. Mm. And, and not only do I never want to go back, my argument pre-COVID was you can have my, my mind, uh, but my body belongs to me, right? Uh, yeah, I, I understand you just made this man. <laughs> no, it's with us, man. It's with us. Um, but yeah, so, so, so to go back to five days kind of makes me not want to like it's like you, you've taken both my mind and my body mm-hmm. uh during a time where uh when when employers needed employees the most they asked everything from them so i feel like that that um while it's an interesting thought exercise and while I, but i i feel like it's well Here's an, a key assumption I have. I feel like five days is now off the table. I feel like there's there's enough. You disagree, eh? 100%. Okay. So he, here's what I think it is instead, um, and then you can tell me whether you think that's right or wrong or, or or what have you. But I feel like what I've seen is companies are going for three days, and they think that's reasonable, and I think that's gonna that's gonna be. Um, well, it's a standard that a lot of folks are considering. So, so three days, and, and I think the difference between three days and two days is significant. Uh, I think that's kind of like a swing, um, I guess, variable. And uh, your tipping point. Their tipping point, right? Where where being far farther from the city is is okay at two days, and really starts to suck at three or more days. Um, and 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 so I think that's. Or, or from from the office, rather, rather whether it's from a city or or, or not, that's, that's different. But but yeah, um, I'm curious. Let's get back to this uh, five days. Do you think that folks are considering the five days still? Yeah, yeah. I think um, so. So it's like this, this the tyranny of the minority. Um, and I know you're you're you're, you're listening to an audio book right now. Uh, skin in the game that mm-hmm. talks about that. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's not so much it's not so much that everybody's going to go back to five days a week. It's it's that enough enough of the big players are going to go back to five days that it'll make the smaller players who were probably okay with one or two go to three. Right. And the players that were okay with three go to four. Mm-hmm. And the players that wanted to go to four will go back to five. So then you'll have this gradual return to everybody going to five. Um, well, not everybody, but a big part, like, huh. like a big, like it'll change, but it's just a big enough part of the population that goes back to five. That, uh, perfect example. You, uh, you hear it in, so all the banks are trying to go back to five, even though they don't know how. Like not every single person in the bank, but mm-hmm. like banks are going back to five. Interesting. Uh, governments, uh, governments are trying to. Governments are, are, are weird because they're twofold, similar, similar to banks, right? You have the people that actually deal with people, mm-hmm. and then you have the people that never deal with anybody. Mm-hmm. And the people that never deal with anybody are just like, we don't. Why do we have to come in? Right. And the people that have to deal with people are just like. Why? Why do we have? To, like, why don't they come in? That's the that's the fight that you're having. It's not in these 10, 20, 30 uh, right. people companies. It's in the companies where your service offerings are two completely different models, and you're trying to say, well, they have they literally have to come in every single day. Right. Like one actually to drill down on that further, uh, the government around like governments in Canada have been like. 
hey, as much as you think it's not uh, two or three days that we're going back, you have to know that there's literally been people who work for government, who work in government, who have never actually taken a day off. Right. Mean, who have never had the opportunity to not be in the office. Right. Uh, so operational requirements require them to go five days. Right. Um, yeah, my, my stance is you either go, you, you make everything, you go extreme. You can't settle on two or three. Huh. Because you, you go you go to because here's my thing and I know I'm dragging dragging no, down this but this is something that burns up my soul. Mm-hmm. Um, you go you go two days right right. So what's what is your what is your thing with two days a week? If the the whole concept is uh, the col- collision of ideas yeah. and constellation of ideas, so the second I'm not there. That means ideas need necessarily need to stop. One or two is it you mean either two days per week or eight times per month? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Sure, totally, totally, totally. And I, like, and I've advanced this argument kind of in different places, and then people haven't been able to give me back an answer because if it's eight times per month, mm-hmm. okay, great, I will go. For Five days one week, three days another week, mm-hmm. and you literally won't see me for a month. Right. Because I'll go my. So your next eight days, yeah. No, not. I'll make the next eight days back end. Right. Back end the next eight days, not front. Like it won't be two weeks on, two weeks off. It'll be. Oh, eight, oh, eight, eight, like eight, eight plus eight, sixteen straight, and then and then gone. you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like. Rip the bandaid off. So it, it's kind of like people haven't. Uh, really come to grips with that argument of why we need to be back and it's and it goes back to the fact that they didn't actually fully articulate why we weren't supposed to be in an office yeah so that's that's really interesting um I do, I do agree in terms of the um, lack of a rationale for why should, people should be in the office versus not in the office. Right. Like we've, got, we've already proved that we don't have to be there and things can keep going, mm. uh, more or less. Um, and yeah, what's the reason for two days or three days? And what, like, what, what are we going to accomplish in those two days that makes them a necessity? Um, right now it seems that uh, we would have to change the way we structure our days to maximize those, um, our day, our work days in general, to, to maximize those two days on site. Because what I've seen myself doing is going into the office, getting onto a Zoom call and talking to somebody in like Chicago or talking to somebody in New York. And then, and then you know, half the, half the day is something like that, um, where, I'm, where I'm kind of going, uh, yeah, I'm mainly in an office space uh, where I'm on, teams in this case, talking to people that are not in that same office that I'm in. And I'm engaging in some water cooler talk if I, co- if I coordinate with uh, people in other units that, that'll be in the office at the same time. But that's really just like chance interactions that don't really have anything to do with the deliverables that I'm working on, let's say. Um, right. It, right, like that's, like my, my structure is ge- geographically distributed. So, um, so yeah, it begs the question, well, are, did I go into the office just for those chance interactions? Um, that's one thing. Another thing is the, um, I feel like there's been an explosion of those teams. It's more of a compounding factor um, that, that builds, yeah, <laughs> that builds on the first, the first point there, that the, the, a number of those meetings, the number of those meetings has exponentially, to me at least, increased. And that's because the barrier to entry for a meeting now is much lower. Like it used to be who is, well, who's been invited plus, um, I mean, how many chairs are there in this office? How much in this, in this, in this room rather, how many, um, well, there, there was more of a, I guess more of a physical barrier, but, 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 but almost, almost like, um, I wouldn't say the, the constraints were so hard, but there was just, um, it was just less of a, uh, less, less of a 
It was more of a visual barrier. Visual barrier, yeah, it was more of a visual barrier, thank you. Yeah. Um, and now it's just like, hey, you might be interested in this meeting, why don't you sit on this Teams call for an hour, right? right? Um, and, uh, and then you have a lot of that now. And so I think we'd have to say no to more of those meetings to, get back to your point, to maximize the uh, creative collisions, so to speak, that would occur within an office situation. Because right now we're just going there and uh, going, getting back on teams, and that really makes no difference if we're there or not. You're right. So one of the things that I've, I've done when I go into an office is on days that I know that I'm going to the office, I actually don't go um, early anymore. Mm. I schedule my first call for some time, like 8 or 9 in the morning, mm -hmm. and I take that as a walking meeting. Got it. Right? Got so it. it's just like, all right, cool, I'm going to go to the office. Yeah, but, you're working while in transit. Yeah, yeah, it's a walking meeting. Yep. Because now it's just like, and then once I get to the office, I get to an office at a point in time where um, I am, I'm understanding that I haven't forced myself to be there. Yeah, it's it's a it's a lighter entry. Yeah, it's like an easier entry. Yeah. Because and like not everybody's like this. I start my 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 work day. My first email needs to be sent before, let's say, 7.30, 8 a.m. Okay. And then, if you're not going into the office, uh, at 7.30, 8 a.m., you have a coffee, you're chilling, you're in, you're in shorts, you're listening to music, um, it's fine. Mm -hmm. right? I wake up at whatever time. Mm -hmm. And then you just figure out when, how to structure your day from there. Right. Whereas when you go in the office, you, even if you're able to send that, that, that morning email before you leave your place, you've now killed an hour. Mm -hmm. Even if it only takes you 20 minutes to get mm -hmm. to the office, you've killed an hour. Yep. There and back. Yep. And then you're, you're not, you're not, you don't get into the office and you're able to work right away. No, you have to warm up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You have to see people. You have to say hello. Mm -hmm. It's rude for like I'm I'm the, I'm the type of person that goes like when I go into an office, I go in the office, I close the door. I actually have an actual office, mm -hmm. so I close the door not because I don't want to see anybody, but because that's that's just my personality. I'm, I'm, I'm very closed off. My therapist would say. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're, there, you're there to do a thing, and you're, you're, you're getting there, you're focused, you want to do the thing. Yeah, no, I tunnel vision I tunnel vision until my first task is done in Got person, it. and then it's just like, whatever. Uh, but then I've been into an office where I, I go in, and this is not recent, but generally, you go into an office, and you're just like, cool, you're literally just talking about that. Yeah. And you've accomplished no work. Right. Both professionally, it could just be meetings. Right. Or sometimes... There's, there's something going on in the world and now it's just like no one's expecting you to work and now everybody's talking about this major world event that right. has just gripped you. Right. right? So it's, it's, I don't know, I, I find my mind has, like during the pandemic, my mind was able to roam free mm -hmm. in a way that didn't require me to uh, necessarily need people. And I realize that that is actually a, a, a position of privilege. Mm -hmm. Because like, I'm, as I'm mm -hmm. thinking about this, I'm, I'm thinking about like Scott Galloway, for example. Right. Scott Galloway, uh, marketing professor at NYU, mm -hmm. he's, he's got a bunch of different businesses, writes a bunch of uh, blogs and podcasts. He's a big proponent, a huge proponent of returning to the office. Really? And his rationale, which is different from mine, is uh, it's the only way that you'll, it's the easiest way for you to advance in your career. Just okay. but the, the mere fact about being seen in okay. an office is a, is a thing that's going to advance you in your career. And then he cites a bunch of different numbers as to why that's the case. I don't agree with it. Um, but the other thing that he says, it's not even that it's uh, helping you advance in your career. Mm -hmm. It's the thing that's uh, going to help you actually uh, talk to people. Because we've gotten, to, we've gotten so used to not talking to people, mm -hmm. uh, th but this is pre-COVID, mm -hmm. uh, people don't know how to talk to each other. Mm -hmm. So because they don't know how to talk to each other, when they get in, like, the, he, he's, his fear, you know, it's not communicated is that 
will be so far removed from each other that we'll get into this state when we're like when we're colliding with each other at a store or whatever and we'll be like you can't handle the social awkwardness. Yeah, and then you just <laughs> run back to your phone and be like, oh my god, I can't believe I saw you, blah, blah, blah. Right. Whereas right. you're in the office, it's like, okay, Could cool. Be. That's interesting that he's making it an individualistic and then societal argument, but not arguing on the behalf of the organization's performance. Or maybe he's saying that those things will lead to better organizational performance. But but it's, it's interesting because most, most of the... I wouldn't say most. I've heard, I've heard a number of, of arguments for return to office be more from the company's perspective or more from the organization's perspective, as opposed to from the like you as an individual, your career will grow faster. I mean, people are talking about that from the opposite side, like people that now have moved further away from the office um, or who were remote to begin with, they were at a disadvantage, and 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 now that people will return to work. Uh, into some effect, those that are in the office more will have that advantage in terms of being seen. Um, but um, but yeah, it's just kind of ref- it's it's the same argument there, but just reframing it, saying you you have this opportunity. Um, but but then there's a societal argument of of um, learning how to interact again, um, and, uh, and and that's interesting. So those are interesting um, arguments. How com- how compelling do you think that I, that is for for people? Like, does that make you want to go back to the office? Um, Might be an argument for a younger pro- so, professional, like someone just starting their career. Yeah, so the it all depends on the field that you get into. I'm blessed and cursed to have been in a field where um, I'm, I come from like an economics type background. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm looking at the actual economic development uh, of not going into the office. Mm-hmm. And that has actually significantly changed how North America is made up now, mm-hmm. right? Because before everybody was clustering in cities, mm-hmm. and now people are moving further away and then starting different cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there's one thing where I'm just like, okay, well, that's why you don't go. The other thing, which will then, in the long, the long term impacts of that, improve transit, uh, in, in, in like different types of infrastructure. Right. Uh, different clusters of communities that then, uh, like you, you have those creative collisions in places that, uh, like Paris, Ontario, mm-hmm. they got a fifteen percent uh, population boom just from just from the pandemic because there were people who were like, okay, well, I don't need to be in the city anymore. Right. Uh, employers, uh, their perspective is ec- economic development again because they they have ten twenty. 10, 20, 30 year leases. So yeah. like, they need you to be in the office. And also the government needs you to be in the office because they need to figure out where, like I'm talking about governments generally, because mm-hmm. uh, they need to figure out how to use the, like some predictability in how you use your money, right? So um, that's, those, are, those are the compelling reasons that people don't really talk about. Uh, from an individual's perspective, like the person I fear for the most is um, it are the people in like grade 9, 10, 11. Huh. Because those people, if they're in grade 9 now, that means COVID started when they're in grade 6. Yep. And even if you were, let's say you're graduating university now, yep. uh, that means COVID started first year, uh, first year university. So you like, so you know what I mean? Brutal. That right there, you, your social, your whole socialization game is off. Yep. So even you coming into the office, this is why you have all these people talking about quiet quitting. It's not so yeah. much that they're actually quiet quitting, is that they're they're just they they haven't been socialized in a, in a place where they're able to understand that their ideas aren't um, they're valid. Yes, but like you know what I mean, like. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of time and there's a little bit of patience that they don't have instilled in them because they haven't had to. Right? right. Like you get bored. Like when I was in university, probably like same with you, probably when I got bored of a lecture, I had to get up and leave that lecture. Right. And if it was too small of a lecture, then you have to wait till there was a break. Right. <laughs> right. For the last three years, for a lot of people in universities and colleges or anywhere in life. 
when you got bored of meeting, you just muted your like it was instant. Right? Yeah. The light became a lot more instant for a lot of people. And they kind of need to figure out how to re-socialize themselves. That's, yeah, that's, that's a good point. I mean, I think that's the other side of that coin when it comes to barriers to entry for meetings being lessened. There's also the barrier to exit has also been lessened yeah. as well. So you can kind of check out, um, you can be there, but not really be contributing. Um, sometimes that's on you, sometimes it's not, I guess. Um, but that's, uh, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. I, with the quiet quitting, I think it's a, I mean, I don't think it's the best term, uh, because you're not actually quitting. Um, you're still, you're still working there. You're just not trying very hard. You're working to, the actual term is work to rule. Like okay. that's, that's, that's actually what you're doing mm. like in, in unions. That's why they're, they're sorry. sorry to kind no, of, no, no. It's like quiet quitting. And then they always talk about how unions are rising again. Mm. Uh, unions. When they would go on, when before they would want to go on strike, they, they'd be like part of the negotiation ploy would always be uh, this is how much we actually do mm -hmm. versus this is what's in the contract for us to do. Mm -hmm. uh, teachers do it all the time when they just before they go on strike. So they're like, all right, cool, mm -hmm. um, employer, uh, you don't you don't recognize our value. We're now going to work to rule. Okay. And that means no extracurricular activities, right? Before or after, right? That means no, like no tutoring, no no socialization, right? Just the actual letter of the law, right? And you see how like crappy that experience can be for a lot of people if they don't. I mean, how much you actually have to go over and above mm. just to have like a, a, a pleasurable work environment, if that, right? If that makes sense, right? Right, just. Whittle it down to its absolute bones, um, and see how you like it. Um, makes me think about so. Okay, another thing I've been I've been looking into, thinking about a lot, um, is this. Uh, well, the the whether our work as knowledge economy workers um, is healthy for us, and I'll unpack what I mean. Uh, by that, um, but uh, but but let's start from a physical sense. Right? Like um, I'm uh, in my mid to late thirties, let's say, and uh, been uh, you know pretty active for a lot of my life. Um, had a couple sports injuries here and there, but uh, over the past few years, I'd say uh, maybe not a few years, couple years, the thing that I've sought the most physiotherapy for has been postural correction related mm -hmm. uh, items. So, it's t so I think some people maybe listening to that would think about that, uh, that, that image of the uh, evolution of the human being where they start off, you know, like um, hunched over, then they become upright and they hunch back over on the desk again. Right, right, right. Um, the de-evolution of man. Yeah, the exactly. So, so there's, uh, so there's that. Um, and then, okay, so, and then how do we correct for that? Is working from home um, helping or hurting from that, from, let's say, an ergonomic perspective? And, um, and this, is, this is where I'll really kind of explode this. Um, would, what would be a better mitigating, uh, or, or let's, let's compare the mitigating forces of working from home, reduced work week, right? So just like the answer is just work less, as, a, as opposed to working in a better ergonomic setup right. or metaverse like like basically float through float through your environment through through some virtual means um, with the least amount of bodily friction as possible so um, that's kind of those are the things that I've been thinking about um, in terms of like what is the answer to um, how healthy is knowledge economy work and um, how, what, what could be done to improve it? Okay, so... Yeah, that was a lot. That was a lot. Yeah, and I'm trying to figure out what order I, I can... Like, I'm literally scared staring at the sky trying to frame these arguments. Um, so, okay. Taking one argument is knowledge economy work, like, distilled into a sentence. Mm -hmm. Uh, problem statement, or not a problem, I guess the question is, is knowledge economy work good or bad for society? Okay. Right? Okay. Uh, my 
answer to that is it's only as bad as you actually don't care about what you do. Okay. And the reason why I say that is if you don't if you don't like what you do, mm -hmm. you don't have to necessarily be passionate about it. Mm -hmm. You just have to know that this is like uh, my mentor always tells me: be careful what you're good at, hmm. uh, because if you're good at it and you like it, boom, now yeah. you're never working. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Right, right. And when things suck, they suck, but like you're never working. You're, right. you're just getting better at things you like. like yeah. Things you're good at. Um, but if you hate what you're good, it, like if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, sure. yeah. now everything is a grind. Yep. And um, what I've what I've discovered uh, more so recently is that the models of our economy are based off of is premised off of the wrong thing. Okay. And it's that's by design. And I know we're just going to talk about design at some point as well. Um, but like the actual design of the economy in North America is based off of the wrong thing, which makes people chase that thing mm -hmm. at the expense of themselves. Okay. So they get into the knowledge economy work mm -hmm. without actually mentally being there. Okay. Right? They get that instant dopamine hit of a $150,000 job mm -hmm. and they're like, great. Mm -hmm. And now it's like a $150,000 job, but grind. And they're like, they're being ground down because they haven't built up a resilience to like they haven't built up that muscle of passion. Right. Right. Motivation. If right. you put passion and motivation, you got discipline. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. But they got, they don't, they're motivated for money. You have the wrong thing. And then when that's gone, you're a puddle. Right. Right. So, um, is knowledge economy work good or bad? I think that we've, we've, we've done, We've, we've gotten to a point where we've over-commodified the, the whole concept of knowledge. Okay. Or the knowledge economy. Okay. So we're always searching for a new innovation that, like, that creates these new industries and we're wasting a lot of energy on that. Mm -hmm. And that's taking a toll on our mental health, or not only our mental health, our physical that's health. Interesting, yeah. Right? Uh, because we're chasing this dragon, mm -hmm. this golden egg, this golden goose, mm -hmm. whatever you want to mm -hmm. call it. Um... And it's, it's literally going, we're, we're just, we're, we don't like what we do, we don't like ourselves, we don't, and then it drives people to drink. Mm. It drives mm. people to do destructive behavior, delete, mm. the leaderist um, behavior. Uh, all for what? Mm -hmm. Knowledge. Like yeah. we're, we're, not, we're not even, we're gaining knowledge, but we don't gain wisdom in our societies. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah, it's kind that's, of, yeah. That's, that's fascinating. I mean, what, what I, um, you know, this, this idea of um, we're not maybe doing the right things in the knowledge economy and that being um, more of a driver or um, uh, rather uh, equal consideration in terms of the things that I, that I threw out there as well. It's almost like, um, what am I looking at it the right way in terms of, you know, the, the, physical, um, the physical work of uh, of like sitting at a desk of of entering into information inputting information into you know um, into a workstation um, and, uh, and and so on and so forth and if that's happening the right way versus you know if you're kind of working on the right things that might not matter as much I think that's kind of um, it's interesting to consider uh, whether the I'll, I'll get really out there for a second but like the metaphysical uh, benefit. Um, or if you want to call it a placebo effect, or if you want to call it whatever, positive benefit of liking what you're doing, propping up your health, such that the neg the the, uh, the the detractors of let's say sitting a lot, let's say uh, hunching, let's say uh, repetitive movement in your in your arms or what have you, uh, like hurting you physically. Let's say that the you know liking what you're doing, mitigating that. Yeah. Well, so. Said differently, you don't have to like everything you're doing. You don't even have to like what you're doing in the moment, mm -hmm. right? Like we played sports, and I know our coaches used to 
whenever you get tired in practice, you want to hunch over, and you, your coach is always yelling at you. It's like, yeah. oh, don't hunch over. Stop hunching hunch, yeah, and once you hunch over, you get more tired. Right. Uh, and you're like, yeah, but practice sucks. And, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, but like, when it's game time, you'll be all right. Mm -hmm. And then game time would happen, and you're just like, damn, Thank God for practice. Yeah, so is it, like you're, you're not like you. It's, it's the work that you need to do in the shadows that helps prep you for the work that you're doing um, out in out in the world, right on stage. Uh, where I'm going with that is in the moment. What, what like you're not supposed to like every single thing about what you're doing because then you're not doing the right thing. You got you got to hate a lot of it. You have to hate almost everything about it. Hmm. Uh, the difference between success and failure is when you stop the story, hmm. right? It's what you're doing next, hmm. right? And for me, for example, and I, like, I, like I always say, um, what do you want to be? Not now. Mm -hmm. It's not what's your five-year plan. Like, mm -hmm. What's the most out there thing that you want to be mm -hmm. with your life? Mm -hmm. And how does this experience feed into that, mm. right? So mm -hmm. what is your future self thanking you for doing mm -hmm. right now? And you go to the gym, mm -hmm. uh, your future self is thanking you that you're going to the gym even when you don't want to go to the gym. Right. And you continue to do that. Right. Right? Because your past self and your present self is like, thank God I played sports growing up because now I'm not in the position of like 90% of North Americans who are, or not 90%, but 70% of uh, North American males who are uh, overweight or obese. Right. Right. Uh, you're in that. You're in that upper fifteen percent. Mm. So it's it's like, what is your future self thanking for you, thanking you, thanking you for right now? Right. And you don't have to like that. Right. <laughs> right. But your future self. You'll grow too. Yeah. Because you, you, it's not. You're not even ever going to do this thing anymore. Mm -hmm. Like we're in positions in our life. I remember when I first started work. Uh, we'd have to create physical binders. Right. And they'd be like, yo. Dude, uh, someone's going somewhere. Mm -hmm. Create this 47, uh, 470 page binder and make sure that every single page is in order. And you gotta do it from an actual printer. Mm -hmm. and you gotta do it a hundred times and you have to do it in three hours. Right. right? And like, that's crazy. But now I'm like, oh, now I know like when someone hands a binder, when you see it on TV, you're just like, oh, the value of that binder actually. Thank God I already knew I did that. I never want to do it again. But thank God I did that in the past. So I know, like, I built up that muscle. Right. Uh, I think that's that's more important. And that's where I go. People don't like what they do mm. because not only do they not like what they do in the moment, they don't even know what they want in the future. Right. So they can't even figure out and like where they want to go with the skills that they're doing, and then they're in, like now you get this string of unhappiness. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd, I'd agree with that. That resonates for sure. So, my fear when you get into knowledge economy, when mm -hmm. you get into metaverse, is the lack of the friction, uh, both physical and mental, that allows you to create a spark of inspiration or something, right? Inspiration will always find you. You have to be working at something, but you can't just be dull work. Uh, and where we're going, with the arguments of being uh, in the office or not in the office, mm -hmm. I think that's almost a, an irrelevant argument. Okay. It's just like, dude, there's going to be people that need to go in the office, there's going to be people that don't need to go in the office. If you're, if you're lucky enough to choose when you get to go into the office, that is the better argument than being like, you need to be here five days a week, you need to be here in person because we need to collaborate in person and then but collaboration in person actually just means on teams in the office three three doors down from each other right right um but when we get into okay do you like what you do are you like are you learning mm -hmm. is this hard mm -hmm. <laughs> what is it like when we were in a meeting what didn't you get what do you want to learn more of in these offline conversations and i think that's where the value is but that can happen from anywhere I think we need to train ourselves to know what we want to do, or at least what we want to use it for, 
right? Uh, and, I, and that's why I go back to saying since we were, we've been trained by society to do the wrong things. We've been chasing the wrong things. We're back. Took a little break there. One thing that I want to, <laughs> a little, little strategy break, because um, we, we we've been going deep into um, the future of work and this kind of, you know, there's been all this talk about what, you know, the great reset and, 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 um, and what, you know, economy is going to look like. A lot of people are scared about um, recession um, and, and, you know, post-pandemic world, a new normal, et cetera, et cetera, all terms that are all thrown around um, that kind of contextualize the question, like, what, where are we going to go from here? Um, we we kind of hit pause on the world uh, for a couple of years in the pandemic. And um, I think some some folks think about that as an opportunity to, to give a rethink to how, uh, how we approach things in general, but, but uh, let's call it uh, more specifically economic activity, I think is, 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 is the, the big uh, or large uh, component of, uh, of, of what people uh, think about in terms of uh, changes post-pandemic. So um, picking up from there, uh, we've been talking about um, how our uh, interacting with work is, go- is going to change or, or may change. Um, the the idea of working on the the right things and kind of deriving energy and sort of positivity from that um, and, and kind of riding that wave and then some of the the things that people are are, are having angst over i.e. do I go into work two days a week rather the office two days a week or three days a week or four days a week that mattering less that not being real the real question the real question being am I working on the right things am I doing what I want. Maybe if I do what I want, then it doesn't matter how many times I come into the office. Um, but, but where I want to steer the conversation to next is what people are going to see when they go into an office or when they go into their home office, wherever that office might be, how we're going to interact uh, with technology. Um, there's, uh, there's been organizations that have sought to accommodate you know, what the work from home situation is going to look like, you know, providing a stipend so people can spend money on improving their home office per se. If you're lucky, your organization has helped you do that. Um, maybe some people are working on, uh, on a laptop on their kitchen, um, you know, over, over the kitchen sink, so to speak. Um, uh, some people are, are coffee shop hopping. Um, but, uh, but I think, in the mind's eye, and when we think about knowledge economy work, you probably pictured a laptop there as the as the interface. And so, what, some of the stuff that I've been looking at is, you know, how the interface might uh, might change. And, and I think um, definitely people are looking at, uh, you know, Meta, the company Meta. It used to be Facebook um, as a leader in in, in in articulation of what the future of work is going to look like. Um, but you know, ver- let's call it head mount. Let's call let's call this um, this question here, um, or define this next question as um, about the about the, the about human computer interaction, uh, about the interface, and whether a future of work with a head mounted device um, interacting through a virtual reality environment is that a plausible scenario. And is it a preferred or is it a good scenario for for people working in the knowledge economy? Let's open up with that. So I'm going to start with this anecdote. As you as you speak about this, I'm going to start with this anecdote anecdote um, about headphones. Okay. And uh, wireless headphones. Uh-huh. You remember how they used to be over the years? Uh-huh. So. There was a theory that I remember reading about mm-hmm. that, and this is before it became earbuds, that the whole purpose of the earbud is to socialize you into having augmented reality in, like, implanted in your brain or your ear or whatever. 
Um, like getting closer to your brain because it's in your ear? Yeah, so and it becomes lighter and lighter and lighter and it does more and more and more. Got it. Uh, because you look at Apple, whenever Apple releases their next generation of AirPods, it's going to say a bunch of things that are going to do a bunch of things that have nothing to do with listening to music. Mm -hmm. It's core function. Um, so where I'm going with that is the way that we'll, we'll, we'll actually, I'm going to stop there and ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Do you, are you the type of person that wants to get the latest technology first? Or are you the type of person that waits for technology to mature, evolve, stand the test of whatever time it is, and then get it? And, but when you get it, you just manipulate, like you, you exploit what that technology can do for you. Yeah, I, um, I'd say it's changed a little bit as it pertains to smartphones. Um, but but generally speaking, I wait a little bit. Um, usually, when a technology comes out, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm not a developer and I'm not a like technician or technical person. Although I work in technology, um, I've always been more of a strategist, uh, speaker, uh, facilitator, uh, that yeah, type. Right? Yeah, I know Steve Jobs. Yeah, I know. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, but. Um, yeah. That, so, so that being said, I, I, I value knowing about uh, the, the latest technologies, but I do recognize them as expensive um, and, uh, and not necessarily um, maximizing the utility for myself if I buy Gen 1 of any technology. Also, um, I'm not part of that. The reason I said the technical stuff is I'm not part of that cohort of, of adopters that would be um, shaping what the technology will be. So getting like a developer copy of, uh, of a HoloLens, let's say, which we know people that, have, that, that do that, right? Mm -hmm. That have done that. Mm -hmm. um, that's not me. Uh, so, so I'm a user of these technologies. I'm not a, um, a co-developer -de of what the future of the technology is going to be. So, you know, by that logic, I basically, I wait until I know I have a strong need, and that's how I buy. But um, but I, I it pays for me to know about about what's happening. Right, right. So in a work scenario, are you going to wait? Like, let's say your job says, "Dude, we're going to metaverse." Mm-hmm. Um, you have the option of joining or not joining. <laughs> uh, I'm in. I'm for sure going to be in. Yeah. So okay. So so let me ask you this in a different way. Uh, teams meetings. Are you camera on or camera off? I'm usually camera on. Uh, I, I'm pretty. Uh, yeah. I'm usually camera on. Um, and I uh, I actually know I know someone. I won't I won't out who they are, but but they um, they run a business and they boot people out of meetings when they're not on camera uh they have a full they have a full lean-in mode um where it's just like and, and it's not necessarily an aggressive um uh, reprimanding type of boot out it's just a you must not need to be here and that's okay you're probably needed somewhere else doing something else but if you're gonna be here then be here like proper and and i kind of respect it but uh but that's uh, yeah, so interesting. It, so, yeah, yeah, go I'm, ahead. Yeah, no, because my mind goes in two ways. One, the technological way of like how I've been in meetings during the pandemic for the things that I've been in meetings for. Mm -hmm. And pre-COVID pre where like I'd be, I'd be consulting in the U.S. for firms and you weren't even allowed, or actually in actually almost any job, you weren't even, unless you were speaking, Mm -hmm. You weren't even allowed at the table, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> All right, yep. so it's like I understand the whole camera on, mm -hmm. but the mere fact that you're you're even you're even in the in the meeting mm -hmm. is is like the camera on is only reserved for the people that are speaking. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. I, I, 
um, in addition to, to that, there's also regional differences as well. Like I work with a lot of people in India and they, some of them are in regions where the bandwidth isn't that good yeah. and they're off camera because uh, being on camera is choppy. It's choppy. Yeah. Yeah, no. It's, uh, so I'm, I'm, like, I'm a, a big proponent of less is more in almost every scenario mm. except for when you need more. Right. And when, it. when it comes to technology and our, our leaning into whatever we need to lean into, I'm more of a proponent that if we, if we were to go into the metaverse today, mm-hmm. I'd be audio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. I, I would be, I'd be like, yeah, no, I'm there. You know I'm there. I'll make my presence felt. But like, I'm not, I'm not buying NFT Louis. Right. right, like I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna just be there. Yeah. Uh, because right now, unless it's a one-on-one. Yeah. Uh, and even then, it's like one-on-one in terms of quick conversations on Teams. Nah, there's no, mm. no need for camera. It's just mm. phone call. We're talking. Sometimes, like I do a lot of walking and talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, one-on-one serious conversation on Teams. Mm-hmm. I'll go camera on. Right. Meetings where, right. especially if I'm not needed to, like, if my job is to listen, yeah, then why do you need to see my face? Right. right? And that goes back to the way that a lot of people have been brought up, where it's like, yeah, just be seen presently, but not heard. And your visual on Teams is, is very jarring sometimes mm-hmm. because then now you get this thousand-person square box meeting where it's just like. Right. If you're not saying anything now, you're you're a statue. <laughs> well, the funny thing with that is, um, I feel like, um, and this kind of goes back to something we said, or you said rather, much much earlier um, in terms of the point about socialization of folks, um, maybe a bit more junior um, coming into the workforce. Um, and that being a reason for back to uh, back to the office, and and, and perhaps there's some more uh, weight to that argument here through what I might say next, and that's um, you know when you're on Teams and you're on camera and everyone's on camera, mm-hmm. they're looking at themselves. They're actually not even looking at you. Yeah. Everyone's worried about looking stupid on camera. Yeah. So I'll be honest. I'm looking at myself and I'm making sure I'm in the right position where I look as presentable, professional. And, um, and just as good as possible um, while, while I'm doing what I'm doing, even if I'm talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm not talking, then I'm just minding how I look to make sure that it's not distracting to the rest of the, to, to the, rest of the people and, and just to make sure that I'm perceived in the best light possible. So it is a um, cosmetic uh, thing, mm-hmm. right? But what does that do? What are the implications of that? And I think, you know, when you, when you, there's this kind of unquantifiable impact of the lack of nonverbal communication that we are faced with because of remote work, because of work from home. And this is all the time back to that argument about bringing people into the office. You know, you're not getting that. And you're not getting that, um, that so you're not getting that stimulation. You're not getting that, that messaging. Um, that, that non-verbal messaging from people and, and some, some of that message can include hey I like you and want you to be here I respect your ideas and, and want you to contribute mm-hmm. um, all of these things and, and the reason why I say, say that is I've noticed um, you know, as a manager of people and, 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 and in other contexts um, people get worried and their anxiety about their job and their standing in their in their organization um, can get spiked much easier. Like they're reading into things a bit more um, than, uh, than than I've noticed in a you know in, in the previous context. So that's um, right. Yeah. So with that, because I, 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 I I'm I'm going to uh, accept without conceding. Uh, sure. But that forces, as a manager of people, you're actually supposed to adapt fastest. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to, like, what I do with some people that I manage is, like, I hold daily 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Let's just talk about the world, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. How are you feeling? Mm-hmm. What's going on in your life? Mm-hmm. 
with Don't You Like mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. Even when we don't have anything to speak about. Mm-hmm. Um, every day, yeah. Wow. Huh? Every day. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. Wow. It's standard practice. Wow. Because then it's just like, cool. Mm-hmm. Now you can go to your meetings, mm-hmm. camera on, camera off. Right. Yeah. Because you're not like you've, you've checked in. You've already checked in. On a one to one level, yeah. Yeah, we've already we've already established a foundational base mm-hmm. or a, like a foundation. Yeah. Um, and every every question that you don't like you don't know the answer to, mm-hmm. you know that there's a natural check in same time Got it. next day. Wow. Yeah. Right? And I do that with everybody, both uh, people that I report to and people that report to me. <laughs> and even like sideways as well. Wow. Right, so I, like, like, and that was because I noticed that we, you wouldn't have that pre-COVID. Yeah. And I think that for me is is a more valuable tool in socialization hmm. than just for like just for me to like be on camera when I when, sure. I, when I have a meeting. Yeah. And other times, I make sure that people call me. Hmm. Right? Not on my regular phone, but like on my back phone. Mm-hmm. Like, like <laughs> <laughs> they can call me on that, and then just say, "All right, cool." Uh, and again, first five minutes, mm-hmm. no, unless it's an emergency, no shop talk. Mm-hmm. First five minutes is like, "Hey, do you want to loosen up, figure yep. out what you need?" All right, cool. Then we turn it to to something. Right? Like like where I where I struggle to truly comprehend people's arguments about why you need me there mm-hmm. is they haven't changed. Mm-hmm. But like what it really comes down to is the fact that they don't want to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, they were fine with the way things were. Mm-hmm. And when they were forced to change, they didn't really accept it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and or they knew that it was never going to be permanent. They didn't accept the permanency of that change. Mm-hmm. My belief is twofold. Once one thing changes, everything changes. Okay. But nothing really changes except for intensity and degree. Okay. So the people that um, were never going to socialize were never going to socialize. And the people who never wanted to be in the office will never want to be in the office, right? They'd figure out ways to be more social without actually physically being there. And, sorry, last point. A lot of people on the socialization point don't actually socialize. They, they were never taught how to socialize, and this is pre-COVID, mm-hmm. right? So they only socialize themselves through status. So they go to work, and then from work they go to a bar after work, because they were dressed up for work to project their status of who they were at a at a bar and then spend a bunch of money in front of other people that saw them spend a bunch of money. And then it's just like, oh okay, well that's who you are. That's why so many people met meet at bars, right? Mm-hmm. They meet at bars after work, presumably on Thursdays at like six PM. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that's part of the reason why that was that that was such a big thing. Um they don't know how to project themselves as themselves without the money. So let, let's let's maybe let's close on this. I'll, I'll, I like that question that you asked about the metaverse. Let's say it's here. Let's say your company says, your organization says, okay, you can opt in or opt out. Uh, we're going to be doing some stuff in the metaverse and some stuff in the physical verse. Mm-hmm. Are you like? What's your answer? If you need me in the metaverse, you can't have me in the physical verse. Huh. Right? So if you need me in the metaverse, you can never ask me where I am. Ever. Okay. <laughs> like, never. Whenever I do my work, mm-hmm. it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't ask me what time zone I'm in, what country I'm in, what language I'm speaking outside of the metaverse. Yeah. Like, like, nothing. You, like, you want me in that world? I'm invisible to you. Uh, in the real world. Got it. And if you want me in the real world, you could never ask me about anything in the metaverse. Got it. Alright? What about you? It's one or the other. Um, I'll say I'll use it. I'll use it to the extent to which I think it's healthy for me to use it. Um, And so, for me, 
being at a desk um, for too long, I, one thing I've noticed is that I've gotten, um, the longer I sit at a monitor, um, at, least, at least in the current situation, um, the less energy I have. So like literally hour five, I've got less energy than hour four. Um, and and it's, it's, it's dipping down and maybe that's, that's um, intuitive, um, but I kind of feel like it's, um, it's detrimental. And so um, the, I view the metaverse as another medium to switch into, to uh, add variance um, to, uh, to one's day. Whereas, you know, you can do a little bit of work at a desk, a little bit of work um, in terms of a, a walking conversation um, on the phone, a little bit of work in um, maybe listening in on a, you know, a, con- a, 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 uh, a, town, a, a town hall meeting when you're, you know, when you're on a run. Um, and you can do a little bit of metaverse um, for uh, in-person collaboration when you're in different geographic regions. Um, but that's, for me, it's all about putting myself in different, different physical contexts. And so I'm interested how the metaverse can bring me into a different physical context so that I have the variance in my workday. And that kind of ties it back to uh, knowledge economy work being, you know, healthy. Because um, I can definitely see how having, you know, the, it's like the metaverse. Um, is the answer to your to, to your physical health moving a screen and putting it right in front of your eyes, like moving the screen closer to you? Um, I don't. The opposite pro- of what our parents yeah, used to say. Yeah, probably not. Right. Probably not. Right. right. But does it open up uh, fuller ranges of motion? Um, potentially, um, does it open up a different medium? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I feel. And I know we're closing on this, but I, I, I feel take advantage of your advantage, right? And if you're in the knowledge economy, if anybody's in the knowledge economy, uh, I know a couple of friends of mine that just hop countries mm-hmm. right. during, during their time in the knowledge economy, distributing their knowledge. Now, so again, it's just like if we have the metaverse and it's a true thing, I, it's not going to say anything about where I am. I'm walking into that meeting. If I need to be in that meeting, um, and I need to be physical, so I'll walk in with like whatever. But don't ask me about what time it is in my where I am. Don't don't ask me about anything mm-hmm. about my life because that's you're dealing the, with my avatar. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Let's let's close it on that, folks. This has been episode four. Thank you so much. See you next time. Ciao.